We're beginning a new sermon series today uh, titled The Battlefield of the Mind. Um, as you don't need me to remind you that um, I mentioned the word lockdown and nobody wants to hear that word ever again. Uh, isolation or self-isolation or any other words that a year ago we never spoke of ever. Uh, but this past year we've done nothing but talk about them. We live in a world at the moment where mental health has become just such a huge issue. Uh, people are dealing with all sorts of different issues that can be deemed as mental health. So we felt it's important as a church to, to be relevant in a sense, to speak out. That's what the Bible says about particularly the mind and the battlefield of the mind, because we are in a battle. Uh, and so what I'm going to do first this morning is really just come and give an introduction that hopefully will, will help us because we want, to, we want to help people and support people and encourage people uh, through everything that we do, but particularly the teaching and the preaching uh, that we bring. So probably to start off, uh, we'll give the definition of mental health, which is it's your state of well-being that affects your emotions, your thoughts, your behaviours. Your mental health can be determined by your circumstances, your anxiety, and your ability to cope. It can be both positive and uh, negative. And so you can have good mental health, you can have poor mental health. Uh, poor mental health can affect daily living, relationships, and your physical health. And we talk about conditions such as stress or depression, anxiety, and so many more things that can all affect a person's mental health and disrupt a person's routine and also their ability to live a productive life, which is what God wants all of us to, to do. Uh, so these things can be affected by social, financial circumstances, biological factors, lifestyle choices. All of these can shape a person's uh, mental health. And so the mind plays a huge part in mental health but so much of what we have to deal with begins uh, with our thoughts it begins in our thought life and so for us here we have sort of as long as we believe that God has something to say uh, the Bible has a huge amount to say about the mind uh, we begin this series and so we've been called this series the battlefield of the mind but because we are in a battle in a sense and the battle is in our mind it's always obvious uh, for others to see but you know we, we know and those people who have dealt with different um, circumstances situations difficulties it says they will know this and, and so when we come to any battle we need uh, to know the armor that we can defend ourselves with the weapons to attack and hopefully as we go over this these next few weeks we will look at what the bible says about the mind uh, in the Old Testament, um, uh, the mind and the heart are often uh, translated the, the same word. Uh, in the New Testament, the mind is translated as a person's view, their understanding or their opinion. Two well-known verses uh, that probably most people would know is Proverbs 23, verse 7. And it says, simply says this, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. Verse is telling us, he says, our thinking is it's a direction to, to our life, doesn't it? Because it says, well, as we think in our heart, uh, so he is. Jesus says these words, not just in Matthew 22, but in all four of the Gospels, he repeats this. When Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. 
Uh, and the word here simply means uh, through your mind. Now, the, the danger when we read this is people try and uh, think that Jesus is making a point about differentiating between, you know, your soul and your heart and your mind. And, and it's actually not. He's saying that our love for God is, is all-inclusive. You know, our love for God, we, we can't talk about if, if I go home to my wife and tell her, I love you with all my mind. You know, she's going to look at me like I'm strange or stranger than she usually looks at me. I says there's an all-inclusive there that Jesus says to heart, the mind and the soul. The problem is, is this, the observation is this. At the time that, that these words were written in, in scripture, it says the, the, the inner man tended to be just sort of all-inclusive in a sense of uh, mind and heart and emotions uh, and will. It's almost the sum total of our mental and emotional and spiritual faculties. And, and Tim touched on it this morning when it came to the table. It says of our response is you know, the physical and, and it's a sacred act and a spiritual act. And, and here there's no distinction between them that Jesus is drawing uh, our mind is a way to identify our, our inner being in a sense it's who we are our thought life our decision making it's where our anxieties and worries begin you know we talk about a healthy mindset and that incorporates our physical health and our emotional health and our spiritual health and what we're looking at at the moment which is our mental health and what's the response of the church often if, so if we know someone who is in poor physical health, if somebody has a, an injury or an illness, it's often so far easier to pray for them and sort of minister to them. Often when people come and say they're struggling with something in, in their mental life, mental health-wise, and we're not sure quite what to do there with believers. Uh, and, uh, and so hopefully this will address that, because what I've often found is this is when we come to preach something from the front, it opens up the sort of discussion out amongst the people to say, listen, it's okay to talk about this in church. It's okay to share this in church. It's okay because God is interested in every aspect of our lives. It's important to talk about this. We said this in the worship because we've said this as a church, and this is my heart as a church, so we've thrown open the doors of the church. And we've said to people, come on in. And this says, bring your baggage with you. Take a seat with the rest of us because what you're dealing with is not what I'm dealing with. And what I'm dealing with is not what you're dealing with. And so everybody takes a seat. And we want that place where people can do that. But it also has to be a place where we give God the opportunity to do something with us. Though it can't just be a place where we come and sit with our baggage for the rest of our days, but actually God is in the business of changing people's lives. And whether that be through something physical, emotional, spiritual, or, or mental, then we give God the opportunity uh, to do that. Uh, and so it so often for us begins in the mind of three things I want to say to lay the groundwork out for, for what we going to say over these next few weeks and the first thing is that this is so important uh, especially for those of us who've been around church for a while the first one is this is dealing with poor mental health as a Christian is not a sign of weakness sin in your life or a lack of faith 
We must clear that up from the beginning. Uh, there are people that are dealing with things and it's nothing to do with any of those three things. There's a history often is in the church is when somebody says they are struggling or they are troubled or there are things going on. He says, you're not praying enough. You're not studying enough. Uh, you're not in church enough. And we try to give these answers. Listen, he says, we must understand this. It could often not be the result of a sign of weakness or sin in your life or a lack of faith. He says, we must understand that the Bible, uh, there were many characters in the Bible that had to deal with issues where it was concerning their mind. Uh, at times they felt anxious and they felt depressed. Elijah comes and he defeats the prophet Jezebel on the mountaintop and then discovers that Jezebel's after him. So what does he do? He runs into the desert, he disappears, he sits down and he says, if only I could die. I mean, to me, that's fairly drastic, like, isn't it? That's somebody who's struggling, this great guy who's just taken this massive step of faith on the top of the mountain against a prophet of Baal, comes down as something is going on within him and simply says, I want to die. And it says God restores him and God brings him back and, and shows him and, and, and there's that journey there. And so, so we must understand that there's uh, true of other biblical characters. David writes in the Psalms, he says, why am I so downcast and distressed within me? Why, why does he say within me? He doesn't say, why am I so distressed about what's going on around me? He doesn't. He says, why am I so downcast and distressed within me? He says, we look at Jeremiah and, and, and other Bible characters and we must understand that there are times that the people are just dealing with stuff and it's not because of any of these things he says it's actually just because that's the stuff that they're dealing with at this particular time where it might be something that's going on in their life that God is working through with them in their life and the second thing I need to say is this it is okay to not be okay and seeking help and support as a Christian is okay he says, we do not have to do anything alone. We do not have to do anything on our own. He says, we have the opportunity to support and encourage one another and be supported and encouraged by one another. So though we say it's okay to not be okay, listen, we throw that out there and say, listen, if you can't find the support and the encouragement and the help in church, where can you find it? But this is what church is about. This is what this church is about. It's what we're going to do as a church because it's what we have been doing as a church. And the final one is this, and I sat and thought about this. Well, this is key. Jesus meets people as they are, not where they should be, hope to be, or will be in the future. I think that is so important for us to grasp. That actually we think now, if only I can just get better. If only I can just deal with this. If only something would happen and change in my life, I wouldn't feel like this. Listen, that's okay. That's what we pray for. We pray for breakthrough. We pray for victory. We pray for all of that, but Jesus meets you where you are. Yeah. He meets you where you are. Whatever it is you're struggling with, that's where he meets you. It says most of Jesus' interactions in the Gospels happen outside of the synagogue, the temple, church, whatever you want to do. He walks along by a lake. One day he sees two fishermen. He says, come and follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. He walks up to a tax collector's table and says, Matthew, come and follow me. Everybody else hates you because you're a tax collector, but come and follow me. And says he's walking along a road to Jericho. Somebody cries out. He says, Lord, heal me. Now, it wasn't the only instance. He says, why? Because it teaches us something of this, that Jesus meets people exactly where they are. Not where they should be, hope to be, or will be in the future. 
And so we take courage in that, that whatever it is we're dealing with and going through, we don't have to believe that we are a failure or we're some sign of weakness in the eyes of Jesus because he meets us exactly where we are, walking beside us in everything that we face. And so Jesus meets the troubled and the brokenhearted there. And so moving on quickly, the Bible speaks of uh, many things when it speaks of a troubled mind, a depraved mind, a sinful mind, a dull mind, a blinded mind, a corrupt mind. You see all the way through scripture, a transformed mind, a double mind, a mind governed by the spirit, a mind set on things above, the same mind as Christ, a sound mind. All of these things are mentioned in the mind. In the time that we have a look at, because you get 27 minutes every Sunday, so we're going to be exhaustive here, but what we can do is hopefully over the weeks is help us to do that. And so there were, there were three things quickly that we have to understand about the mind, because this is where it begins in our thought life. The first one is this, somebody said this, our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. So that, that would be true, that's fairly straightforward. It says our lives always moving, that whatever we think about, whatever we do, whatever our obsession is, whatever it is that we're going through, then move towards our strongest thoughts. The second thing, and Paul touches on this in Romans 8, and we're looking at what, whatever gets your mind gets you. And before you say, oh, I'm not sure that's true. Listen, remember the last time you were really angry with somebody? Now, we're in church. We know anger's a sin. You don't have to put your hand up. But there will be times that somebody has really annoyed you. You might be sitting next to them this morning. Uh, and so, therefore, you think to yourself, and you know when somebody's annoyed you or you've heard somebody say something about you or you've heard somebody that says it consumes you? It's that what that means. It gets your mind. It's all you can think about. It's all you can think about as you replay over in your head what they said and what they did. As you replay over in your head the revenge you're going to get because it consumes you. And eventually you understand that whatever gets your mind gets you. Uh, and the, the things that are going on, the bigger issues, the things that are happening, and whether it be a sickness in your life or whether it be something that's happening in your life, it's that that consumes your mind, but, but it gets you. And that's why the, the final thing, that our mind is a battlefield because the battles we face in life always begin in the mind. It says, you know, the experts, the scientific experts would tell us uh, these things, but Paul tells us this in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5, when he says, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now, Paul tells us before the scientific experts tell us that, that, that on any given day, each and every one of us can have at least 500 thoughts that, that come into our mind that we don't want to be there. Uh, and so we get bombarded. Now, this is the days of pre-internet. There was no internet when Paul writes this. That makes it worse because we're growing up, in a sense, with a generation who look at a screen uh, and they see the way people live their life and it consumes their thought life. It consumes their mind. It gets their mind, so it gets them. And so, yeah, Paul writes this. He says, actually, what we do, we measure every thought that comes into our mind we take it get our captive and so what happens then is, is if we don't do that it's just we create this reality in our thoughts and actually we trouble ourselves and we call it stinking thinking 
because it's why the mind is a battlefield because there are these things in there that are simply just not true uh, and, and so we believe the lie before we do anything else and, and so whenever there is a battle to be fought there are really four things we have to understand uh, uh, because who is the enemy where will the battle take place and what weapons do they have to attack us? But what weapons do we have? And so we must understand this. I must say this from the beginning. We must not associate every issue that everybody has with mental health as spiritual warfare, because it's not. Because often what people do is blame the devil for lots of things that are not actually his fault or his responsibility. You know, if you wake up early in the morning and you're sluggard and you're tired and you're irritable with everybody and you're feeling on your inside, of, of different things it might not be because the devil is attacking you it might be because you watched a whole series of Netflix the night before and you didn't go to bed to three o'clock in the morning because our physical health and our emotional health and all our other is, is all tied in together with our decision making so often we must not say that every issue that somebody deals with in mental health is attack from the devil we're in church we're looking at what the Bible says as far as the battlefield of the mind we believe our thought life is the foundation to that because of our mind so the battle is fought in the mind there so what is the battle well listen the enemy of every christian uh, is this the devil the battle takes place in the mind the weapon he possesses to attack us there is a name that jesus gives him in john 8 44 he simply calls him the father of lies that's where the battle takes place that, that's what he's called he's called the father of lies John 10 verse 10 says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy I have come that they may have life and have it to the full 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 18 says for we wanted to come to you certainly I Paul did again and again but Satan blocked our way 1 Peter 5 verse 8 says be alert and of where sober mind your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour here we can see who he is what his plan is what his battle strategy is and how he's trying to defeat us and so therefore we look at this and say well what do we do you see if we recognize that the enemy whose mission it is to deceive us to make us a prisoner of uh, his lies well how does he do this well the stuff that we possibly have been told or the stuff that we've thought about ourselves or the thought that we've said to ourselves says over the years as you sit and talk to people and share with people people will sit and talk and often it's not because something has been said to them it's just a way that they're feeling and they'll say things like you'll never be good enough for anyone i will always be a failure it was a mistake at the beginning so our whole life will be a mistake nobody could ever love you people say these things because they believe these things uh, and and you can never be forgiven for that what you did you can never be a good husband wife father mother because of the way you were brought up don't try to do that you will fail like you have before and will again God is mad at me, couldn't love me, and there's no time for my struggle. All of those are thoughts that people have in their life, and it stops them. It holds them back because we don't realize how powerful our thought life is and can work as a negative influence, but also a positive influence as well. But if all those are the lies that we've been telling ourselves through our thought life, what is the alternative, and what do we have to do uh, to do this well if we re 
keep repeating these lies in your thoughts, they do three things. The first one is this, it'll hold you back from doing and receiving what God has for you and has called you to do. It will keep you living in shame from the past. And the third thing is this, it will keep you from living in joy and freedom. So if our lives always move in the direction of our strongest thoughts, we know the strategy that the enemy uses. We know where he's going to attack and what he's going to do. So I give you the alternative or the way that we live when we start this morning with our thought life is this is simply this. We remove the lies and replace it with the truth of God's word. That's where the beginning is in the battle field of the mind. It says there are other things that people can do to improve their mental health and all of those should be uh, definitely used by people if they help them. But from a spiritual point of view, it says what we do when we struggle with the mind and then the battlefield of the mind, we simply replace the lies that we've often told ourselves or other people have told us and we simply replace it with the truth of God's word. It is simply why Ephesians 1, 6 verse 17, sorry, Tate says, take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You see, we must understand this, that if the enemy's primary weapon is the lies that he wants us to believe, then our greatest counter weapon is simply this, the truth of God's word. It's irreplaceable. There's nothing coming to improve on that. It says whatever we've been told, whatever we look at, whatever fills our mind, how Paul takes captive every thought that comes into his mind and comes into his situation is simply this. He replaces a lie with the truth of God's word. And you see, unless we decide to break the pattern of our wrong thinking, our lives will continue to move in the wrong direction. Is that easy? No. Can it be done? Yes. How can it be done? Well, simply we must understand this. The power we need to change, the power for the stuff to happen, is not a power that we possess within ourselves. It's a power that God has given through his spirit, through his word. And it says, and changing your thought life is a challenge because often what the enemy has done, and somebody said this great point. See, the devil is not particularly creative. He just keeps repeating the same thing over and over again. I've told you before, when I preach, I tell people what I'm going to tell them, then I tell them, then I tell them what I've told them. And then when we close in prayer, I tell them again. Why? Because repetition is the key. All the devil needs to do is keep telling you the same thing. Just keep telling you the same thing. History proves you want people to believe a lie, just keep repeating it. Keep repeating it till people believe it. All the enemy does in our minds is put something in there, just keeps repeating. You're a failure. You messed up. You're a mistake. You're still a mistake. So you've done something, it's still a mistake. You're a mistake. Don't try and do something, you're a mistake. And he just keeps repeating the lies. We have to replace those lies with the truth of God's word. And you see, we have to understand the one who created us has to be the one who defines us. Has to be the one who defines us. Has to be the one who gives us what we need to live by. And that. And so we come, and this morning, and we see this, that our worth is based on what often sometimes other people think of us. People say, and 
having this conversation this morning. You get to the age where you don't care whether people like you, and, and you know, just, you know, because you spend your time trying to please people all the time and stuff. But the reality is, everybody cares about what other people think of them. And so, when people tell us things that we're like, you know, that there is something negative about us. You know, it's like if I ask ten people to say something nice about me, I'm, I'm not going to do it. I might find ten people, but if I find ten people say something nice about me and nine people tell me how wonderful you are and a new amazing preacher you're so handsome and all these things and they might be lying but if one person out of the ten tells me something that criticizes me the one that I will remember it's not the nine people say all the nice things and encourage me the one because I'll be like what did they say that is that the impression I give does everybody think like that you know and that's the way we would be as people because our worth is found in God and not in the opinion of others our worth is found in God and not in the opinion of others time has come to an end nearly but we must understand this that the key to this beginning of the battlefield of the mind is to replace the lies that are in our thoughts that have been put there and for you it could be over a length of time and replace it with the truth of God's word because though God wants to meet us where we are and he does meet us where we are he does take our baggage and he begins to deal with it. It's time for us to give him the opportunity to deal with some of the stuff that we're walking through, that we're working out with him. Because that's what God is in the business of, changing people's lives. He can do no more with creation than he's already done. His project is us. His project is us and he wants to lead us and help us and guide us and work through this stuff. And so the four things that we come to the end of before we come to finish is this and we take hold of this because often the truth of God's word is just simple phrases that we often sometimes just need to repeat to ourselves simply this and for everyone this morning, God does love me. He does love me. There is nothing I can do to make him love me any more today or to lo love me any less than he does today. It's when we remember him, what he's done at the cross for us by his son, Jesus Christ. It's a representation of the full love of God. He can love us no more or love us no less. The second thing is this, and there are some people going to hear this this morning. God has forgiven you. Often we struggle because we haven't forgiven ourselves. But God has forgiven you. All sin, not the small ones, the big ones, all sin. He has forgiven you this morning. That thinking has to come into our lives. The two more. He says, God cares about what is happening to me. He does everything that you're going through. Everything that's happening at the moment. Whatever illness, sickness you're going through your thought life at the moment he cares about what's happening to you the fourth thing is this God is bigger than what is happening to you God is bigger than what is happening to you he says you do your part and we let God by the truth of his word do his part this morning as we come to the end of this first part let us pray Father God, we come before you this morning and Father, we realise that our mind is a battlefield. There is a battle to be fought. We know your son went to the cross.
to the cross he is the victor and the conqueror and we come this morning father god and we say thank you for that but father we know that there is often times uh, uh, the battle needs to be fought and the fought in our minds in our thought life because father god so many of us have lived with the lies that the enemy is placed there whether he's used other people to place him there and we believe the lies and, and we've lived on the lies but father we come this morning as a declaration and father we want to be a people that replace the lies that the enemy have told us in our thought life and replace it with the truth of god's word and father we know in your word that you love us you have forgiven us that god you are in control you are sovereign and all that is happening to us, you are not only interested in, you are bigger than all that is happening to us. Father God, walk beside us in everything that we're going through. Father, it's time to open up the baggage, Father, that we bring in and ask you to deal with it. Because Father, you're in the business of changing people's lives. And God, we give you that opportunity today. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.